And we're going to, uh, again, be talking about uh, our fast coming up to start off the year. We typically start each year with a 21-day fast, so we'll be doing that. And all the details and information will be coming up. Um, And so I'm looking forward to that, and we'll talk more about that later. Um, We'll be doing Sunday solos stuff in the new year. Um, The women, they already have really good momentum going. It's us guys that kind of have to pick it up. Um, So there's a couple things already planned for January and February. Uh, We're going to continue to try and build, hopefully, momentum, too, with the kids and just get things going on a better track, going well with good momentum going into 2017. Um, So I'm looking forward to a lot. I'm looking forward to a lot. So let's pray first. I'm not sure if we'll quite ever understand, Lord, just the, the sacrifice you know, just made to come and rescue us. I, I don't know if we'll ever fully understand that. Certainly not on this side, maybe on the other side. But we just want to say thank you so much. And we just greatly appreciate you, Lord, um, recording Recording all of this so that we can see it, read it, Lord, reflect on it, and put it in our own lives, Lord. I thank you that we have some sort of a map and guideline to go from. We're not just going blind to this, Lord, and we just thank you for it. I pray that um, your word that's just, it's really amazing at this time when, when Jesus was born and there's so many things happening. I pray that it will really capture our hearts and just encourage us. And we just thank you, Lord, just for all that you do for us, Father. We thank you for all that you do. We thank you that you're faithful and good. And I pray that our hearts this morning would just be reinforced that you are faithful, good, and true. That you are faithful, good, and true. Are faithful, good, and true. In Jesus' name, amen. And um, so, the Christmas story, right, that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. And, you know, there's like, there's so many things in the Christmas story to talk about. And all of it is awesome. And a lot of it is crazy. Um, So, I I just wrote down some things here. Um, You have a Christmas story where, and and I just wanted to highlight just like one kind of, piece of the Christmas story, not even the main event itself, but you have a Christmas story to where you have these dreams, if you ever read it, okay, so if you read the Christmas story, are you going to find, true or false, are you going to find the Christmas story in the book of John? False. Right? You won't find it in there. Are you going to find the Christmas story in the book of Mark, true or false? False. Right. So, you want to read in two books, what two books do you want to read? Luke and... Matthew, there you go, right? So the Christmas story, right, you're going to find in Matthew, you're going to find in Luke. And when you read those, it's super interesting, you find all this stuff. One interesting thing that you find, there's these dreams that are happening to all these different people. That's just like, wow. Okay? And you have named angels coming and delivering information. Um, Then you have you have the most bizarre scene in the world where you have the king of the universe being born. There's no room. There's no room, so he stays in a barn. 
there's just so much of me that's like, that's odd. I spend so much of my life planning things so a situation like that doesn't happen. Why would I want to stay in a crappy place? God's like, well, it's not really a thing. Like, it's going to get done. Don't worry about it. I'm just like blown away by that. The king of the world. Like, he doesn't just show up with just this entourage and armies of angels. Ooh, you know, it's just like this thing and, and it can't be denied. He shows up as this fragile, vulnerable, hopeless, homeless little baby in this barn. His ways are way different. And that's a whole sermon in and of itself. Then there's this whole thing with, because Jesus shows up, everybody around Jesus, all of their lives are inconvenienced. Mary and Joseph were going to be happily married, just go through it very nicely. All of, a th- all of a sudden, things got crazy. And super difficult for them, where death was on the line. Because that was really the punishment if, you know, she, she leaves for a period of time, then comes back, and she's pregnant. She leaves for a few months, comes back to Joseph. Oh, you know, God did it. <laughs> it's just like, what? And then Joseph gets a dream. It's like, what? And then their lives are radically inconvenienced. So now they're stressed with their family. They're stressed between them. Then they have to go move. It's like, wow, God's plan and God's will, like, that doesn't look really enticing. But a lot of times that's the way it works with his plan and his will. It's really challenging. And then there's this other idea where just because Jesus was born, I don't know what the number is, and it's probably not in the thousands, it's probably more like in the hundreds, maybe even not quite that much, but two-year-olds, hundred, a little bit less, a little bit more, killed all throughout the land because he was born. So it's like, he caused a lot of problems by showing up. Of course, he knows the end outcome and what he was doing and everything involved. But I think many times like we get surprised by the fact that when Jesus shows up in our lives in significant ways, we're like kind of shocked that everything gets rattled and rocked. He's always been that way. It's just what he does. So there's a lot of cool stuff there. And I would just greatly encourage you, man, just to read through the story this week. Good news is you don't have to read four books. You only got to read two. And the two books are? There you go. Spend some time in them, right? Um, John's is a little bit of a different take than the other three, and Mark doesn't even have it, but it's all interesting. It's all pretty neat. Let me propose this one idea to you, and this is why um, I chose this story for Christmas, at least for this Christmas, um, because I was kind of blown away by it. And to be honest with you, I never really spent too much time thinking about this particular topic in regards to Christmas before. I know I've read it a million times. I was like, I never quite saw it this way. Um, What if I were to tell you that Jesus' impact on earth, his impact, it would have been deficient and minimized had another individual not been in place. Jesus' ministry, Jesus himself, King of kings, Lord of lords, it would have um, been obstructed, it would have been minimized, it would have been deficient if someone else who's not from heaven did not show up on the scene 
and fulfill their role first. Isn't that kind of wild to think about? Jesus is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He helped create all of us. He helped create the people standing around Him in the stable. And He can do whatever He wants, however He wants, whenever He wants. But yet, the plan was such that if somebody else didn't step into the role first, not only would Jesus' impact be minimized and deficient, there actually would have been a curse on everybody else. Isn't that crazy to think about? Jesus himself needed somebody to set up what he was going to do. Why? I don't know. God set it up that way. What was he thinking? Why did he do it? Well, I'm glad you asked. That's what we're going to take a look at. All right? Very interesting. Very interesting. And then there's some cool stuff within the story here. So we're going to do uh, Luke 1. Here we go. Let's let's take a look at a couple of things. Um, So in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. I say Zechariah. Who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. So these are two sort of important people um, because they both come from priestly lines. Not everybody who who was Hebrew or an Israelite was considered a priest. Only a particular tribe. And they were actually both from that. Verse 6. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. So these guys are like, they're doing, they're doing it. They're doing really well. And let me suggest to you, at this point in time, Israel was not in good shape. They were run by another country. They haven't heard from a prophet or a word of the Lord or anything significant from God in like 400 plus years. So as far as they want God to show up, they want God to move, they want to hear from heaven, 400 years. That's a long time. I mean, that's generations of people where all they have are stories of what God used to do in the past. Sometimes that gets old pretty quick, right? But nonetheless, these guys are remaining faithful. That's a testimony in and of itself. Verse 7. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So he was part of a priestly division like we talked about. There's a lot of them. And they would have certain groups that would have certain responsibilities. You're going to light this. You're going to do that sacrifice. You'll bring this over here. You'll carry that. You'll take care of this. They had all these different jobs. And the particular job that he was about to do um, was sort of a significant one. And now he's going to have the opportunity to do it. And when he's inside, when he goes to burn the incense, that's the job he's going to do that I said was significant. He would be by himself. He'd like they like go into like this little room. He would burn these. He would burn some incense. Then he'd like say prayers over the entire nation. 
kind of cover them before God. So he's in there by himself. He's lighting. Verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. I can see why. But Daniel said to him, do not be afraid. It's a common thing that angels say. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will be will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zacharias, the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God And I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. So this is pretty interesting. You have this couple, this priestly couple. They were upright. Everybody say upright. And blameless. Say blameless. That means they were doing good, doing real good. Doesn't mean that they were perfect. Doesn't mean that they were complete. Doesn't mean they didn't have deficiencies. Doesn't mean they didn't make mistakes. Doesn't mean that they didn't have sin. But when God looks at blameless and upright, he doesn't necessarily look at all of that. He looks to see an authentic, transparent, humble heart. That, that's what he looks at. An authentic, transparent, humble heart that comes before him and says, you are my God, you are my King. And my whole life reflects that. And anybody that knows me is undeniable. That's what blameless and upright means, just in case you were wondering. And that should be really good news for us. Because all of a sudden it takes the pressure off of perfect performance. I'll tell you what, that's like a Good thing. Because Jesus is like, hey, you want to be my disciple? Follow me and do what I do. And he says all this crazy stuff. Like, oh, well, okay, it doesn't have to do it perfectly, but God wants to be in relationship with him in a transparent and authentic and humble way. So these guys are doing it. Then she can't have any kids. Pretty interesting, right? follows right with Hannah, with what we were talking about last week, right? Hannah having no kids, this is kind of like a similar theme throughout the Bible. 
Hannah having no kids. So then he goes in there and he goes in to build his, uh, build, burn his incense to light it, pray for the nation. An angel shows up when he's right there. He said, hey, your prayers, they were definitely heard. And now God's going to answer them. And we're going to get back to that in a minute. And then, if we could translate it maybe into like New Englander talk. You know, we're East Coast New Englanders. You know, there's a little bit of edge sometimes to what we say and what we do. Sarcasm usually wins out a lot. Um, rudeness, you know, that's also buried in there. The angel, he's like, this is New Englander translation. What is wrong with you? Do you see who I am? I just came from God himself to tell you that she will have a child now. What do you not understand? Why is your first response, no, it can't happen. I don't know. I'm not sure I'm old and so is she. I just told you. So now, because you cannot figure this out and your doubt is a problem, you are going to be quiet for nine months. That's the New Englander translation. You cannot quote that or use that. That could be blasphemous. That was just an interpretation. But pretty much, that's the gist. And, and it does seem kind of harsh that you know, to do something like that. But I just imagine, what was the angel's name? Gabriel. I imagine Gabriel being like, this guy, like, I don't just show up to everybody, you know? And he was terrified when he saw him, like he thought just a moment maybe would have captured him. But it's like as soon as the issue came up that he was praying for, that was on their hearts, that they just, honestly, you could tell they didn't have much faith for it at this point in time. Maybe they did early on, but at this point they didn't. He's like, you know, I mean, we're, we're old. And that little bit of doubt, that little bit that creeped in there, and just said, no, we can't have that. No, we cannot. So now you'll be quiet. For almost the nine months then check out verse 57 I just want to show you here and then I just want to highlight a couple things and then we're done it says when it was time for Elizabeth verse 57 when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby she gave birth to a son her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child they're going to name him after his father, Zachariah. But his mother spoke and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child, because he still can't talk at this, at this point. So they're like writing things down. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. This is a crazy story. And I talked at the beginning that Jesus' ministry 
it would have been deficient and not had the right amount of impact that needed to happen without this John the Baptist. A couple of things I just wanted to highlight. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know. We're just going to talk about them. Okay, sound good? All right. First thing, it's not really like a sermon, I guess. I just, it's just kind of just thoughts that I just kind of had during the week. And I was like, okay, those are nuggets we're going to hold on to. So we're just going to hold on to a couple of nuggets. Sound good? All right. So here's the first one. The first one is, it strikes me that they were upright and that they were blameless in a nation that definitely was not. God honestly hasn't really done anything super impressive really at all, of notoriety at all, 400 plus years. It's a really long time. But something with this couple, Elizabeth Zechariah said, well, we're still serving him, we're still going to follow, we're going to be obedient. We're just, this is when stubbornness in life is a good thing. I'm just going to be stubborn. He's still my king, he's still my... There's a lot of reasons about how I don't know why he hasn't shown up. I don't know why he hasn't done this. I don't know why he hasn't done that. I'm just still going to follow him. That was the mark on their life. That's what they were known for. That's what heaven knew them for. They never did one miracle in their life. Heaven knew them for their patient perseverance before the king. That's what heaven knew them for. And then it's very interesting to me that despite that, she was barren. like, man, God, like, they're upright, they're blameless, they're serving you. Give the girl a break. Right? And God put it in their hearts to pray. Father, give us a child. Give us a child. And chances are, they were probably like most Jewish couples, got married young, you know, late teens, around there. Want a child, she was super excited, happy bride, you know, want to have family. They probably prayed it for a long time. By the time this angel shows up, they're old. I think you can understand that they would get tired of praying. Maybe the answer just is no. And stop praying it. And the thing that strikes me is God totally did give her a break and totally answered their prayers and totally heard them. That's what I love. It just wasn't time. It just wasn't time. When they were ready, wasn't when God was ready. When they were ready, God wasn't ready to do it. There was a bigger picture than just providing a son for this upright and blameless couple, God's like, yeah, I want to do that. And, and I'm going to. Yes, I, yes, yes. I hear them. Their hearts are with me. They follow me. It's undeniable. I hear them. And I'm going to give it to them. But there's a, there's a bigger narrative and story. So we, we just got to hold on. And Zachariah, man, he's just lost hope. I mean, the angel's like, yeah, it's going to happen. He's like, well, no. We prayed that prayer Obviously, God, you know, he has his reasons. And I love, I love, I love. The angel's like, no, 
haven't heard you, it's going to happen. And it just reminds me of Hannah from last week. Heaven heard Hannah. She prayed for years. Years. Uh, This past week, I had a prayer answered that I prayed for six years on. Let me tell you this. It wasn't a faithful six years. God's honest truth. I was hot in the beginning. I was on it. Praying in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, with the verses and praying it and like, ah, on it. And then I kind of like, you know, maybe not so much. They kind of come back, stronger, hotter. And, eh, you know, maybe not so much. Then on it again. And then I noticed that as I kept praying through it, there was a work going on like inside of me to where God was bringing about a peace in the situation regardless of what was going to happen. He was just developing really just a greater trust in and so to be honest with you, I, I, I honestly have not touched a prayer on that particular issue for, I would say, a half the time, for probably two years, two and a half years. Just haven't even prayed on it. And then, just last week, he gets answered. It's like, yeah, out of nowhere. And I wasn't planning it. It wasn't like, it's like, wow, that was amazing. And it had to do, like, with another person, you know? And it was like, man, just out of nowhere. Pretty neat. And I was like, man, what a picture. God, God is calling us, his people, patiently persevere in prayer. Baseline? Baseline is this. God hears. God is good. And God is It's so hard to think to a God that we're on the fence with. It's very, very difficult. So that's why it's so important for us, for the Lord, to have our hearts first. Because God is good. He is faithful. And He hears us. So that was just my, my first kind of reaction get this upright, blameless couple pouring out their hearts. Still barren, but not unheard. Amen, if you heard me. Man, they heard it right from the very beginning. God was like, on it. Heard you. We're getting there. And typically for us, and probably what happened for them is they just were losing hope. It's not happening. It's not happening. And I'm, and I'm really trying and praying right now. It's not happening. And then we see that as I guess it's a no. I guess God's not listening. I, maybe I'm doing something wrong. And for some, maybe sometimes there is that. But then there's also other times where the Christian's not doing anything wrong. They really just live and surrender. And in heaven's vantage point, you're like, no, like you're good. Like, just believe in me. Just stay faithful. Keep your hand to the plow. Just keep moving forward. Stay close to me. It's going to be fine. I promise. And what the enemy does is he takes our flesh and he gets in there and he says, oh, what kind of father is that? Ah, he shouldn't do that to his kids. I don't think he heard you. Way too many problems in your life. It's no wonder it didn't work out. It didn't work out last time. Right? All these things come in. And what are they? They start with an L and they end with an S. All. All. 
And if our spirit's not in check and where it needs to be, our flesh then takes control. They're the trump card, and they just kind of just run the show for a while. And it gets us into trouble. And then we get usually bitter. Usually we get stale. We get uncertain. We become really shifty, and we're just, ah. And then a lot of doubt really pours in. And then we're in trouble. But you see, I think, how it evolves and how it happens. So that was one thought that just stuck out to me. Um, here's another thing. It says that uh, this just, I, I love the passage the angel gives. I'll just read it. It says, do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Love it. Tweet it. Facebook it. Put it everywhere. This is what I'm, tell, I'm telling you. One of our greatest testimonies as Christians is answered prayers. And if Christians aren't praying, what is going on? It's insanity. It's just like throwing out our, our, our witness and our testimony out of the window. Man, this is big, right? God hears and he answers and he's good. So your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. You're to give him the name John, right? She doesn't give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Check this out. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Wow. That is nuts, though, is what that is. I mean, for whatever reason, heaven chose to talk to the setup man for Jesus. Heaven said, hey, spirit is just going to be on him from the womb. It's crazy. So much so that when um, Elizabeth's sister, cousin Mary, Jesus' mom, was in the room and Mary talked, the baby started jumping around. And all of a sudden, like, Elizabeth starts, like, prophesying. It's just, like, crazy. God is amazing. It says, many of the people of Israel bring back, will he bring back to the Lord their God? What a calling on this guy's life, the setup man. He's going to be the first one to start to turn people, start to, to get them back towards it, to start them to get to have a listening ear that God is true, that God is good, that he is still in control. He's going to be the guy that's going to start that. So when Jesus shows up, it's like, man, it's already been primed. Like we're People are ready. They're hungry. They want to hear about more about it. It says, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What a calling on this guy's life. It's crazy. It says that he is going to be great before God. In the sight of heaven, this man is amazing. And Jesus goes on later to say, when they're both adults, Jesus says, there's no one greater born of women than that man right there. He's talking to his cousin, John the Baptist. It's crazy to me. So he's famous in heaven. Jesus says, the greatest born among women. He doesn't have one recorded miracle to his name. Not one. 
sometimes you're just always seeking that stuff, and it's like, you just got to be careful. He doesn't have one. Then, he's like weird. He lives by himself in the desert. Like, he's described as long hair, a leather belt, you know, locusts, and kids just have fun with him in Sunday school because he's just weird. You know, he just do, on John the Baptist Sunday, you do weird stuff, you know? Eating honey and locusts, it's just, he's like weird. He's famous in heaven, though. God's hand is upon his life. And he will be anointed so he will turn. He will, like, get the tide starting to, to go. So when Jesus shows up, it's just, it's just a fluid transition. That's amazing. If John the Baptist never happens, Jesus' ministry, I, I don't know what that looks like. It's stale. It, it's minimized. It's cursed. Let me tell you why. The book right before Matthew is the book of Malachi. So remember I said there's like 400 years, God never really said or did anything, right? So Malachi 4, you can turn there if you want, I'll read it. It's Malachi uh, 4, starts in verse 5. Um, it says, see, Malachi's writing this down, he's an Old Testament prophet, follower of God, a voice of God. He's been dead for a long time by the time Luke comes around and Jesus does. 400 years. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. But Elijah happened a long time ago. So, like, what are we talking about here? He will, look at this phrase. Because I always thought that phrase was weird in Luke. Verse 6. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. So it's like, God set it up, but way before, even through Malachi, say, listen, this man's going to show up. He's going to prepare the way, be a forerunner, a set-up man for Jesus Christ. He's going to turn hearts He's going to actually show people the wisdom and righteousness and the folly and not following after God. He's going to have an amazing anointing on his life to do that in powerful anointed words. And he's compared to Elijah, which is like kind of crazy to me because Elijah, all he's known for is miracles. That's like his thing. I mean, just read about him in 1 Kings. This is all he does, miracles. And it says that John the Baptist comes like Elijah in the same spirit with an anointing just like that. That's amazing. So what that does is it just speaks to my heart. It's like, man, I hope that I listen to and I hang out with people that are also famous in heaven. I am so guilty of listening to, looking at, being a part of things, conversations, media, whatever it is, they are not famous in heaven. They're just not. They're just not famous in heaven. I just know that they're not. And it's like, we're called to have the wisdom to be like, man, like, they are. Heaven hears them. Heaven is in their heart. It's in their home. Hang around them. Well, they're weird, you know. I don't, whatever. Figure out a way to get around them and make it work. He's so famous in heaven that he gets beheaded at the end. I mean, his life story is not super impressive. From a 
like status-driven culture. He was living in the desert, looking kind of weird, doing weird things, preaching amazing, baptizing people. At the end, things got so twisted, he was like, he sent people to Jesus. He's like, no, are you really? Are you really? Because when I'm in jail, I'm about to be beheaded. So if you're Jesus, I would assume you would get me out of here. Jesus is like, don't worry about it. It's awesome. It's crazy. So it just strikes my heart. Be like, listen, listen to, hang out with, be a part of people that are famous in heaven. Because everybody that has status and notoriety and followers and likes and all this nonsense, that, that's not how it goes down. Heaven could care less. And like, we should really know the difference and invest our time in might be the one person who's got the four followers with super unpopular stuff. Okay. Yeah, we don't have time for more stuff. But, just those two things, those two nuggets are just interesting to me, right? And then John the Baptist, he shows up. He's going to set the stage. Jesus is coming in. Chapter, chapter 2, it's the Christmas story. It's Christmas story. And if you have time, maybe later, tell you what, we'll read his song real quick. This is Daddy's song after all this happens. You ready? You want to read it? So this is Dad's song, Zechariah. It says, Father Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he started prophesying. He's just, he's just pumped about the whole thing. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us and the house of his servant David. As he said through his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the land of all who hate us. To show mercy to our fathers, to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for Him, to give His people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to it's crazy, right? It's crazy. So I really, truly believe, to be totally honest with you, I truly believe God wants to instill in our hearts, in our church body, our church family, a spirit and a heart that will patiently persevere in prayer. He's really calling us to do that. He really wants us to be the type of people where we should, we're guilty of just as much as we talk or complain about them. I mean, that should really mark on our lives. Not because we're just called to do it and it's a discipline. No! Totally missing it if somebody thinks that. The whole idea is heaven hears. There's a greater narrative and when his people cry out, it unveils his plan. And it's all through the Christmas story. It's just a beautiful, awesome thing. 
So, here's what um, I'd like to do. Um, let's just ask the Holy Spirit just to set a fire in our hearts and our souls. Sound good? Yeah? Just ask Him just to set a fire, right? So, Eric, you think you can find that song back there? Josh, you want to help him find that song in case he can't find it? And we're going to play it super low, but honestly, we're just going to do the vocal of the singing. I think so. question is, how many Calvary men does it take to work the AV? That's the question.